Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ryan. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Today's episode of Crit Academy is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash critacademy. They have over 180,000 different titles to choose from that you can download onto your iPhone, your PC, your Android, your Kindle, or even an MP3 player. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I personally would recommend, if you can, swinging by and checking out The Way of Kings. It's an amazing tale. If you love D&D, you're going to love it. It's got a very unique take on magic. And plus, for all you DMs out there... It'll give you a lot of great content to pull from. For all you players, there's a lot of intriguing characters that are just awesome. Yeah. Um, if I can make a recommendation, I, I love to read nonfiction. Um, so I'd recommend Death by Black Hole by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, it's really interesting about space and the universe and just makes you feel really small. All right, yeah. So swing by www.audibletrial.com slash critacademy and get your 30-day free trial and complimentary book. Now, if you guys are sitting at home right now, scrambling, trying to get together your last-minute adventure for your D&D session that's tonight, well, we here at Crit Academy, along with our partners Goblinstone, have the answer for you. Goblinstone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK, and they aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products, and they really want to give every single one of their fans a chance to have their work published. Yeah, thanks to Goblinstone, all of Crit Nation has a chance to win a wonderful prize each and every week. Woo! <laughs> Woo-hoo! Uh, each week we draw one lucky subscriber's uh, name, and they will win a copy of the awesome five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned. Our Goblinstone winner for this week is Sniper Joe 401 <laughs> Congratulations to Sniper Joe 401 Be sure to head on over to goblinstone.com or, or check out our fellowship link on our website, critacademy.com. If you like their product, please swing by, send them an email, or send us an email and let us all know. And if you don't like it, let them know. Yeah, so he can improve Be constructive. It. Yeah, but, yeah, let him know what it is you don't like. Yeah. That way he can In improve upon it. In a constructive way. <laughs> yeah, any of you Not that just, listen... this adventure sucks, man. <laughs> uh, if any of you that have listened to our Goblinstone episode, you would know that that's one thing that... Uh, he wishes he got more of, was publishers negative publishers really wish they got is, hey, here's some negative feedback, here's exactly what I didn't like, or why it should change. Yeah. Before we get into the rest of the show, we'd like to take a second to let you guys know some of the different ways that you can support our show and become our heroes. The first of which is what we already mentioned before, head on over and... Use our link at audibletrial.com and... Slash Crit Academy. Slash Crit Academy. Sign up, get your free audio, audiobook download, sign up for your 30-day free trial, and that'll help out the show immensely. Uh, another really easy way you can help us out is just by following us on Twitter, liking us on Facebook, talking to us, you know, let us know that you guys are listening. Yeah, interacting with us. Yeah, it every it, it helps us get more exposure, it gets us out there more, and, and we like to hear back from you guys and to interact with you guys. Yeah, if you head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rated review, uh, we will give you a shout-out. Yeah. If you'd like to take an extra step and go a little further, you can become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash Academy, and there are lots of different prizes you can get, including early access to show notes, 
monthly live stream Google Hangouts uh, with yeah, us. Yeah, play games with us. Yeah, play games, just hang out, talk about nothing. Watch a live stream of our live recording. So yeah, watch live our recordings of our, yeah, of our uh, full recordings of our sessions. We're sexy beasts. I've got a big man beard growing right now. I don't. Yeah. I haven't shaved in a month and I barely have stuff. <laughs> um, 13 years old, I had more pubes than bad you being, hair yeah, on your face. Feels bad being German, man. <laughs> or you can also uh, visit our website. And check out our affiliates links. So what they are is on our website under our tools section, there are a bunch of Amazon links to the D&D books, you know, simple things like wet erase markers, dice, minis. A rotating item of the week. And when you click on it, it takes you straight to the Amazon page. There's no extra charge incurred, nothing like that, but it kicks kicks back just a little bit to us for sending you guys over there. Um, So you can really support the show by using our links to buy things you were already going to buy. With that being said... Thank you for joining us today at the Crit Academy Studios, where everything is made up and your rolls don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your rolls are like a Rubik's Cube with all the same color sides. That's one I can finally solve. <laughs> that's my kind of Rubik's Cube. Yeah, I, I used to play with the Rubik's Cube for a really long time when I was a kid. I never solved it. I'm a stupid guy. I actually have a couple friends who are really good at them. Uh, like my friend Roger could uh, solve one in like, a couple seconds. Yeah, thanks for making me feel like a and, shithead. Uh, no, I couldn't. My friend, a guy I know named Brian, uh, he used to have a uh, an eight by eight rubik's cube that's a big rubik's that cube so, that he could solve it took him like all day to do it but he it's could a do big it. rubik's cube yeah i couldn't solve the one i had yeah i couldn't solve a three by three i actually that's not true i ripped it apart and put it back together in the right order so i did there solve it just, just peel I, the stickers I worked off. smarter not harder you should just peel the stickers off that would have been a lot easier than ripping it apart yeah <laughs> work smarter not harder <laughs> all right so uh on today's show, we've got a lot of good topics for you. We answer a question in regards to mage armor. Our main topic is engaging traps. And, of course, we have our awesome Unearth Tips and Tricks segment where we deliver new and reusable content for you, our heroes. For all that, though, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the realm. Justin? Fuck. <laughs> that's all I can say. So anybody that's used Google documents or google drive loves it it's awesome it's great it's fantastic well (laughs) i also up until recently was using google docs for my work email so when i would check my stuff at home i would be switching back and forth and it kind of became inconvenient to do that so i just started sharing my home stuff with my work stuff and well we just left google drive and we went to microsoft so apparently if even though i shared the folder from crit academy to my work email Anything that I created on my computer while I was logged into my work email just went kaput. That includes all of our show notes for like the last twelve episodes. From like episode ten on, you said. Yeah, right? it's yeah. it's including pretty... the ones that we had you had done in advance. Yeah, were... I gotta go type up the new show notes for. Well, actually, if I can find the printout ones out here, that'll be easier before I can upload the other episodes today. So that's rough. Yeah, it it really did suck. Plus, I had a whole brainstorm section that had a bunch of stuff that I came up with that I haven't used yet. So now I got to go back through and do that because that saves me a little time if I can, okay, here's some DM tips, here's some player tips, and I can put them all in this little thing and then just reference them when I need one. Right. That's fantastic. It's all gone. So, yeah, sad face. (laughs) So that sucks. I did, on the other hand, get my Tales from the Yarning Portal today. Yeah. So I'm super, super stoked about that. It just came in, and I had to make dinner, so I haven't read it yet. I did go through it just enough to read the the funny-ass disclaimer about they're not responsible for you falling in pain. Pits with monsters and traps, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm super stoked to to read that, and I'll probably have a better uh, analysis of it next week. So I'll let you guys know. Sounds great. How about, how about you, Ryan? I uh, I hurt. 
I decided like emotionally or physically? Physically. Oh, okay. I decided it was time for me to stop being fat. And I've been going to the gym a lot more. Oh, dude, fucking baller, man. And uh I've been eating healthier. I uh so I basically I got I put myself on a kind of strict diet. Like I eat I'm not going to go into the whole thing. But You're on a diet. Yeah, Got it. Yeah, it's, it's it's like a pretty strict diet. What workout? Um, I, uh, I'm i not doing any, like, anything, like, internet channel. I'm doing anything, P9, P90 right now. Are you? I'm on my third day. I've done Insanity. It sucks. I've done Insanity. I did Insanity once, and I threw up. Didn't do it again. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I actually got through... I got through most of Insanity. I didn't stop because it was too hard. I stopped because I, I got busy. I stopped because I threw up. <laughs> yeah. But that was when I was back... In, that was back when... I used to be in really good shape. I used to be an athlete. So... I actually. Yeah, used I'm to sorry be really with good the, shape. the the deer in the headlights look, but I don't I don't believe that <laughs> at all. No, in like middle school and high school, like first couple years of high school, I actually used to be in good shape, and uh, I I did insanity. I got really busy, so I didn't finish it. But yeah, so I've been going to the gym. I'm really sore. My legs hurt. Uh, what day is it? It's Tuesday. Sunday it's leg was day? Le- Sunday was leg day. And leg day. The next day sucks, but the second day after leg day is the worst. <laughs> I want to die, and I actually have to go to the gym after we record. Oh, that sucks, because it's really late. Yeah. I usually I like to go to the gym at night, uh, just because I don't have to deal with people. Oh, that's true. Because my gym's 24 hours. I go to Snap Fitness. I bought a... Um, it's a moving floor. Treadmill? Yeah, that. I bought a treadmill, and I've been playing video games while on my treadmill. Yeah. That's kind of any type of exercise will, yeah. will help. as long as I'm moving because the the way I see it is I can sit at my computer and play video games or I can walk a couple miles while playing video games. Right, it's pretty simple. So I'm hoping that I can continue on that. I don't really like doing it. It sucks, especially when I'm playing uh, Rocket League and I almost fell on my face because <laughs> no seriously, <laughs> seriously I'm walking one direction, my head's looking another direction, my camera's looking a different con- direction, my car's driving a oh, different wait. direction. The the TV isn't right in front of the treadmill. No. It's off to the side a little bit. Oh. It's all cockeyed. So I'm just like... Kind of like... Yeah, so I damn near fell off my treadmill. That sucked. Yeah, that that, that, that would be rough. So I, uh, keep it up, though, man. I want to get a bike because I love biking. Yeah, we go um, biking. Mine got well, stolen. Warm. That sucks. Um, I mean, it was, it was two or three years ago. And uh, actually, it was even longer than because it was when I lived with my dad. But yeah, so... Awesome. That's my life right now. <laughs> yeah, sounds exciting, and, and it's definitely hard work. And yeah, I'm. I'll you push me, I'll push you. I'll send you text me. Hey, your ass better gone to the gym today. <laughs> You'd be I like, you, you better do that P90, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. So now, actually, moving on to our show, um, our first segment is let's talk about blank. And I feel really bad because I wrote down this guy's name and I couldn't find the tag. Um, but we have uh, a question from. D&D 5E's Facebook group. If this is you and you're listening, please email me and I'll make sure you get recognition. Yeah, we'll we'll but throw your name in there. The question is, what does mage armor look like to you? Now, th- to me, this was really ex- this is something, believe it or not, that I've spent way too much time thinking about even before this. One reason I love mage armor is I feel like you can do anything with it. Because it doesn't really give a description. Not really. Yeah. So energy goes around you. Okay, well, how does that energy form? Right. Now, for me, anytime I've played a wizard... Depending on the type of wizard, it's looked it, a little different. It varies on the character yes. very heavily. Yeah. So 
my favorite thing to do is I love force fields. I love shields that just come out of nowhere. Now you could argue, well, that's the spell shield. Well, maybe the spell shield is just a more focused version of the mage armor, whatever. Yeah. I always picture it as my characters putting out their hand and a big barrier swarming. So, for instance, when I was playing my support mage that was an ice mage, basically, I used frostbite. My mage armor, when somebody would strike me, this frost shield would appear out of nowhere and block the attack and... When I was using the lightning mage, it was a lightning shield and crackling lightning when they blocked, or it would shatter the the frost would shatter apart when they defeated my defense. You mm-hmm. know, stuff like that. I really, I imagine like, uh, oh man, it was uh, one of the characters from the enemies from Metal Gear, where she bounces the bullets go around her. Mm. You know, I imagine something like that when magic hits my character with mage armor. You know, yeah. I really, that's how I've always envisioned it. That may or may not jive with what you think, but to me, there's nothing more awesome than when uh, the DM launch, has a, car- a goblin launch an arrow with a loud thwang as it's sizzle- sizzling through the air, and it hits with a loud, you know, and bounces off my flame shield, yeah. or explodes because of lightning and my lightning barrier or whatever, so... That's what it looks like to me, and obviously I put a lot of thought into how that looks, yeah. but I love that, so... I, uh, you? For me, it generally... What I usually like to do, which it kind of is similar to bark skin, uh, I usually will say, like, my character's, like, skin starts to, like, take another form. Oh, that's and cool. And it starts to, like, turn into, like, a harder substance. And, like, like turns a diamond into, like, metal or, something? or diamond or obsidian or bark or anything, whatever would suit against what I'm fighting. And I, I don't change anything mechanically. It just what it looks like to me is my character, his actual physical form starts to change a little bit. Not drastically. You know, I don't turn into a, a tree. But <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the idea. It kind of reminds me of like what is it, Colossus? Who's yeah, yeah, yeah. His body turns to yeah, metal. Yeah, from X Men. Yeah, that's exactly that's honestly exactly what I'm thinking. It's just not as extreme like that. More like when I get hit, that little maybe that yeah, spot it kind of shing, oh, like, turns into metal. Cool. Or uh, I even did it one time. We were in uh, I don't remember what exactly it was, but it was like some kind of like hellish place where it was everything was on fire and mm-hmm. they repeat little imps like shooting fireballs <laughs> at us and so like my skin turned into like fire when i had mage armor on. i like that and so yeah so it was it, i always adapt to the situation and the character yeah and you can you can have fun with it and make your character yeah, look I ran really a, badass or just really plain yeah i ran a a wind type build i think i was using gust of wind or something stupid this was a i think a 4e though and Instead of having like armor, like wind constantly swirled around me, and then it would just the speed and velocity would significantly increase for the instant just before an impact, yeah, and block it, and then it would slow down again, you know. So, yeah, I even I've never done this, but I kind of like the idea of having someone just like this giant, like illusion, just massive, like full armor that's just way too big for your character, just (laughs) drooping all over while you're like walking around being all lanky. Oh, I like that, that could be fun where it flashes like you're a giant, like uh. What are they, in Final Fantasy, uh, they got those Iron Giants. Yeah. Where you have, like, that Iron Giant image appear yeah. to kind of throw off your opponent and then to flicker out of yeah. existence. Yeah, I picture, like, a, like a gnome walking around in, like, a Goliath-sized plate <laughs> armor. <laughs> He's just, like, in the left foot. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question, uh, D&D 5e Facebook group member. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> um, so, hey, thanks for the... Uh, 
the, the question. question. I think it's very cool, and we love stuff like I love flavor questions like yeah. that. So mechanical questions are always we'll good, and they're, they're they're really helpful for people. But yeah. these are the more fun questions to answer. So our main topic: engaging traps. And what how makes, to make them not suck? Yeah, how to make them more fun and what to avoid. Yeah, we've got ten traps to avoid and ten tips to make tips. your traps better. Man, I love alliteration. Yeah, I can't read. <laughs> Thanks for that. I got you. I'm always here for you, Justin. I hate you. So I'm gonna run you over one of these. Number days. ten of tap ten traps you should avoid: traps without a cause. This is something I think happen rarely, but happens enough that it's a problem. Having tra- uh, traps should have some sort of purpose. They should be guarding something, or protecting, or trying to assist their allies in combat. You don't yeah. want a trap just to be a trap. You know, yeah, it, just to throw a challenge. Yeah. You want there to be a reason for it. There's something that is at the end of this tunnel, or there's something that used to be at the end of the tunnel, even. Um, right. Is some ancient temple or something like that. You don't want just random traps out in the middle of the woods that no one put there. Right. Because why is it there? Who's What is it protecting? Because yeah. then when your players hit that trap, they're going to think there's something around. They're gonna right, look, and they're going to start... They're going to be like, ooh, there's treasure! Looking around. Gold! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's number ten, traps without a cause. Number nine... Traps out of the scope of the creator. You know, if there's a magical crossbow guarding a warg's lair, there better be a goddamn good reason that it's there. Right, because last I checked, I don't think wargs could <laughs> use magical yeah. crossbows. But this is something that happens sometimes. Yeah. You know, DMs start putting things in the game that really has no reason to be there. Right, when, you know... You're in the house of some gnome. He has a giant log swing trap. Well, how did that <laughs> tiny gnome get that log up there? Make them make sense for who put it there. Like you know, like like his example of the magical crossbow guarding a warg's lair. If you have a reason for why it's there, you know, if there's some maybe the warg's wizard that is protecting this warg, or maybe this warg is some weird like animagus. Number eight: too many traps in expected places. Yeah, <laughs> if you constantly place traps in on treasure trusts. You can bet your ass that your players are likely going to throw the next chest that they find overboard or down a ravine. I know a DM who, like, every chest, every time he saw a chest, there was a 50-50% chance it was a mimic. And it was so <laughs> annoying, because he'd be like, oh, I'm going to open this chest. Oh, but you got eaten. Well, and that's kind of what this goes yeah. into, is, you know... Well, yeah, that, that... It also applies to things like door statues and making things mimics, apparently. Right. Yeah, you know... It gets annoying. Exactly. For and the players. Yeah, it's... Why every trap and every chest in the world isn't going to be trapped, right? Um, so just keep that in mind. Try not to. You you want the traps to be unexpected. Yes, usually. yes. You don't want them to be mundane and predictable. Yeah. Awesome. That brings us down to number seven, which is traps that counter PC planning. I hate this as a player. If you're in a forest, there better not be a lava trap. <laughs> if you're in an ice castle, there better not be a lava trap I meant, right i meant to do that the other way around if you're in like a hell there shouldn't be ice traps right your you pl- your your players put a lot of thought gathering information if they're going into a fire temple they are going to plan for there to be a lot of fire they'll be fine as long as it's not the water and, temple right <laughs> so you don't want to go through and say okay they're planning for this so i'm going to really throw them for a loop and put right. this in there unless there's some story reason why that would be there they've put time and effort and planning into dealing with fire traps rewarded. Right, and that should be rewarded, not punished. Because oh man, well they're gonna plan for fires. Oh, I'm gonna get those motherfuckers. Right, you know. So make sure that you're rewarding their planning when they're carefully deciding that okay, we've gathered information on this fire temple that that's what they're gonna have to deal with. Yeah. So 
Number six is trapped in too much of an unexpected place. Yeah, you know, it it may seem realistic or effective, but, you know, putting traps in mundane, <laughs> surprising, they're or otherwise down unremarkable the, areas. Yeah, they're just walking through the city, and all of a sudden there's just a giant pitfall trap in the middle of the road. <laughs> like, <laughs> it really doesn't. It's You it, want to be unexpected, but not that unexpected to, a, to the point where it's just kind of ridiculous. Right, especially if you just toss them into random hallways. Um, you're going to start getting to the players that are going to stop at every hallway. Yeah. Is there a trap? I'm looking for traps. I'm checking for traps. There's traps. Any traps? No traps? Okay, next room. Right. And that'll really slow down your game. So you really want to try putting traps in uh, too many unexpected locations where you don't want them to think, you know, about the door being trapped all the time or, you yeah. know, hallways being trapped all the time. Number five for traps you want to avoid are traps designed to defeat the rogue. Yeah, this is terrible. Don't do this. That's what rogues do. Yeah, and if especially if you're you're making them harder just because the rogue has took some special feat. As a rogue, feature, you feel worthless. You, you yeah. feel worthless, especially yeah. if you like uh, put effort into making like traps one of your specialties. Yeah, you Don't, feel worthless when this happens. Yeah, when they you know when they're devoting resources to to becoming better at trap picking or you know making spending their effort to be better at it. The last thing you want to do is just, oh, man, he's got a high lockpick skill. I'm going to make sure I fucking put the lockpick way up here because of that. No, because you want them to feel like they when they succeed, they feel like they succeed and they really accomplish something. Right. If you're just constantly cock-blocking their, their – <laughs> if you're constantly cock-blocking their effort to be effective at their job, then you're being a shitty DM. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't – I try not to say that often, but, you know, you don't want traps that are designed to defeat your rogue. Yeah. So – Unless you also, I mean, I guess a caveat to this would be magical traps, but make sure you have casters in the party as well. Well, it's not even that. It's specifically, or at least what I was thinking of. So you're actually right there. I was actually thinking more like, well, I'm going to make this fucking lock DC so high. Oh, okay. And, so you're and just specifically, specifically the for the rogue. Well, I'm saying like, so if you're but I do like, expect if you have points. the rogue who's usually setting off traps, well, I'm only going to put magic traps in now. Yeah. yeah. You're defeating the rogue that way too. Right. Exactly. So, um, you definitely don't want to do that. Don't do that. Don't shit on your players. Yeah. It's not nice. It's not. Don't pull, don't pull an R. Kelly. Don't piss all over him. Don't I want to pee on you. Drip, drip, drip. Pee on you. Drip, drip, drip. <laughs> Love that song. <laughs> no one knows that song. I'm so uh, happy you I did. got it. I'm cool, man. Uh, number four, traps that make a player sit out of the fight. Yeah, that's boring. You know, try to okay, avoid but- <laughs> too, many, too many traps that lock down the player entirely, leaving them out. To do nothing. Yeah, For yeah. a round, okay, maybe. Yeah, you know. But you don't want something that, oh, hey, you fell into a, a hole and you can't get out until your friends throw a rope down to help you. That's not going to be fun for that player. Yeah. Having a drop like that when you know one of the players can teleport, okay, that's probably fine. Right. But you don't want them stuck and missing the entire combat encounter why they're stuck in a hole or yeah. a wall or behind a mirror. referencing our one of our last episodes (laughs) the magic the encounter of the podcast yeah um yeah it's really easy to accidentally do this yes i've done it if you have admittedly yeah if you have a cage drop down on somebody but you know his his friends can't help him out they're too busy fighting these other guys before they can help him out of the cage right uh so you really want to be careful with not making your traps just completely debilitating to the point where someone can't even take place, take right. part in the fight. No, we're not to say you can't have a trap like that where a cage comes down and one person might have to spend a turn to flip a lever. Right. That's different than okay. Yeah, it's it's you different can't if it takes nothing. a couple of turns. Yeah. You know, even I would say even a couple of turns. It's um, kind of pushing it. 
yeah, like you could probably get away with two, maybe three turns, but mm-hmm. if when, when you get past that, they're missing the entire combat. Yeah, but if not... you are going to put like, like a cage drop, like you said, and there's a lever over there, make it so one of the players can go press the lever to release the other player. Right. So then if they're not letting them out, it's not your fault, it's the player's, the player's fault. Because fault. Yep. they it's can sit shout, hey, pieces of shit, go pull the damn lever! Yeah, because you, you can't know? yell, hey, piece of shit, DM, let me out of the cage! <laughs> you know, so I would think that that wouldn't kind of be... Uh, a way to kind of get around to make sure you've got that access and those available uh, uh, outs for the the players. You don't want them incapacitated for an entire combat because we yeah. all know combat can take a long time, and that's just sitting around doing nothing is not fun for anybody. Nope. So, yeah. So number three, traps without countermeasures. Yep. Traps without countermeasures is about as fun as fighting a monster that's invisible. It's rigged. Invincible. The system's rigged. Yeah. Fake news. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't want something that can't, it, it's, they can't counter it. They can't yeah. dismantle it. They can't reset it. They can't jerry-rig it. They can't dispel yeah. it. If you, oh, you get hit by this. Sorry, you're screwed forever. You're stuck in this cage. Yeah, you don't, you don't want that. That's not fun. And you I know, don't know why I keep going back to cages. <laughs> you know what? Maybe you're thinking about go-go like dancers. <laughs> oh, I was just figuring you got one of those in your bedroom or something. Oh, you know. Um, make sure you give the PCs multiple weight means of defeating a trap, not just the rogue picking the lock. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe the, instead of the rogue picking the lock, you know, maybe there's a way to set it off bar- remotely. Or the, yeah, the mage uses mage hand to trigger it remotely, or the barbarian throws a boulder down a goddamn room <laughs> and just sets, and just off, sets all the off all players. the traps at once. <laughs> so, Mister uh, Rimson. No, you. What did you? You just did it with on our Critic Academy trial. You threw the fucking rock down. Oh, the that! Thing. I thought you were talking about something else. When well, we well, playing. Rimson's done it too, but I was specifically yeah, thinking with about. Me. <laughs> oh, did he throw you down the tube? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, we were playing um, Horde of the Dragon Queen, and it was that part of the forest with all the traps. Oh and, yeah, and he threw me. <laughs> I remember that. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. So and then he knocked me out, and so yeah, make sure you got multiple options uh, for yep. them. Number two, traps that don't give experience. Suck. If players have to spend time defeating this trap, they should get experience for it, just like they do when they spend time defeating a monster. Yeah, and now, don't get me wrong, I know that sometimes it can feel like they didn't earn the experience because they've circumvented whatever trap you've designed, but... But they... That is defeating it. Yeah, that's... That's another their, way That's their it. success. Whether it's a clever idea or a high dice rolls, they've beat it, they've earned it, That's an, that they deserve that experience. Yeah. So make sure you're including that in every trap that you... Especially if it's a trap give. that's not really, like, they're not really suited to, to, to dismantle, and they, they manage to. Whether, they find a way... You, yeah, w- either by dumb luck or actual clever thinking. <laughs> Which happens both ways. Dumb luck happens all the time. Right. So then our number one trap that sucks and is not fun is deadly traps. Don't kill people with traps, please. No, well, let's not say that. You don't need a machine trap that one-shots people. Right. That is horrible in a... Ter- hey, only the penitent man shall pass. Well, if they're not penitent and they walk through and get beheaded, that's not going to be fun for the player. <laughs> hey, you hey, get, hey you game of warning. I do, but I don't. Oh, you're killing me. What is that from? Indiana Jones. Okay, I thought so, Only the penitent man will pass. I thought it was Indiana Jones, but I didn't want to say it and be wrong. But nobody yeah, likes... Don't melt anyone's faces. Yeah, you don't... Having traps that are really strong and dangerous is okay. If it takes two turns to kill them, that's fine. But you should never... I I think the worst type of trap is one that just instantly kills player without anything they can do about it. Yeah. Um, and now that's my opinion. You may or may not agree. You're wrong, but that's okay. Um, 
You're what? allowed to have your wrong opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, it's not... Traps are meant to be challenging and maybe put players in a bad situation where they might be killed if they don't handle right. them correctly. But a trap that just instantly one-shots someone isn't fun. You know, if they're walking across this bridge on a volcano and they step on the wrong plank and the entire bridge falls and the whole party dies, well, that wasn't fun. No, well, That's just... some DMs think it's fun for them, but yeah. it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some DMs. Yeah, wink, wink. Um, yeah, so that is our 10 traps to avoid. Moving on now to 10 ways that you can make your traps more fun, both for you as a DM and for your players. So number 10 is reward players with treasure. This may sound simple and simplistic, but it doesn't happen as often as you would think. Yeah, you get gold, but that's that happens in treasure chests. That doesn't happen in traps. But what if maybe the remains of the victims from a crushing ceiling or uh, a, a wall are still there? They're still in the trap. Along with their coin purse and any items they were carrying magical or otherwise yeah um it's really easy to just slip things in like this and make your players feel like they accomplished something when really they just stumbled across something that was there for them never once have i come across a fucking trap that had somebody's corpse in it yeah so either it's a shitty trap or it's never gone off or been used uh number nine reveal details of the world you know, perhaps the crushing ceiling or a falling boulder ends up revealing, you know, an ancient glyph that reveals that the deity of the temple is something different yeah. than what everyone thinks. Maybe it's changed over time. Yeah. So a little bit of lore being revealed through your traps is a really good uh, a good way to kind of enhance the... Especially this will feed... We talked about the player archetypes. This yeah, will yeah, really yeah. This will really fill out the... The explorer or the the lore. Yeah, more the lore-driven players. This will really drive that character who loves that world backstory and loves the exploration because now they're triggering traps that are revealing more information about the world they're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Number eight is to have an encounter with the maker of the traps. Yes, I think this is really fun where whether they stumble across the, the, the person who created the trap by mistake or... They find him making one. Or they seek him out. You know, they Or they seek out the person. Yeah, and they can, you know, try to interrogate him and get information on how to defeat these traps or blah 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 blah. Keep in mind this NPC can lie. Oh yeah, for sure. He can he say, Oh, well, every one of my traps, if you step on it for three seconds and then jump off and do the hokey pokey, it'll dismantle around. itself. <laughs> and so they jump on it, step off for three, after three seconds, do the hope kipoki, and then they get shot in the chest with an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that's a good opportunity that, um, especially when you want a very intricate trap where yeah, yeah. they hear that, hey, nobody can get past this gauntlet because it's so dangerous, blah, 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 researching and finding out who the maker was. This could be a lot of... This could be its own little side quest. Yeah. It so. could be yeah, a couple session adventure. Or they don't, and they don't heed all the warnings. They go in anyway, then they die. Then you could probably kill them. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Number... Yeah, that goes into some, something we've talked about a lot is it's okay to make challenges that are too hard to face, but make sure you let them know they are oh, too hard to face. Oh, definitely, yeah. And you should be giving them every opportunity to run learn <laughs> more and run away. Yep. So tip number seven, give an adventure tip. You know, yeah. um, a really cool and creative way for this is, you know, when they, they walk into a room and they get trapped in the room by this iron door that com- or iron gate portcullis thing that comes down and closes them in. You know, they look at the weird kind of oddly 
bent and broken yeah. bars on the on the gate, and they realize that it's a map. Yeah, it's a pattern that somebody made for yeah. whatever reason, and gives them little pieces of information and helps them yeah get through the get through the dungeon. Yeah, maybe it's the people that failed to get through it made the map. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're gonna somebody else may need this. <laughs> so number six, give the player something to learn. So if removing the red gem sets the off the statue's torrent of fire. Stepping on the red, uh, the red mosaic in the floor sounds an alarm. Pulling the red-handed lever <laughs> made the bridge turn sideways. The PCs might then think twice about opening the big giant red door. Yeah, uh, definitely use patterns so that people will learn things. Like you said, they'll they won't fall into the same patterns, the same routines of falling into these. I just quoted Eminem on accident. Um, <laughs> Fall back into the same pattern, same routine, same routine. You can quote Eminem all you want. He's a wise motherfucker. Just as bad as mine is. You're the same as me. <laughs> For shizzle. <laughs> For shizzle. But yeah, it when when you give them this information, it's their job to take it and realize the pattern and not continue doing the same thing. And if they don't do that, it's not it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your they, fault if they, they die. keep running into the traps and being stupid. Yeah. Especially if it's as obvious as this, the red gem, the red mosaic, the red lever, the giant red do- Even if you haven't had all those things leading up to it, a giant red door already is a bit of a Anybody's red plays, flag. I, was gonna, <laughs> I see what you did there. I was going to say, anybody that knows, Mar- has ever played Mario, knows that the big bad is behind the big red door. Right. It's just, that's, that's a fact of life. Number five. Reveal a new section of a dungeon. Ooh. I like this one. So, yeah, you know, maybe that spiked pit leads to something that's not necessarily required for them to go to to finish what they're trying to do, but maybe there is stuff to be found in that dungeon. Maybe there are new side quests to be found in that dungeon or to be started in that dungeon. Maybe there's treasure to be found. Yeah, maybe they fall down a pat, not down to a pit, which is pretty common, but the person down there does an investigation and finds that, you know, there's an access panel so that bodies and their valuables can be looted from there, leading into maybe a backway path to uh, where the villain, the enemies are. Yeah. You know, that now that would only come up if they decided I want to look around for something like that. Because what are the odds they're going to look around for something like that in a pit? But if they just just so happen to, that would be really nice. Especially if you got something with like a really high wisdom or high investigation skill, yeah. where you could just say, "Why don't you give me a check real quick and yeah. see what you find?" Number four, team your traps up with other traps. You know, uh, a poison needle trap chest is a lot more interesting when it's sitting between two fire-breathing statues in a room that's spitting lava darts out of the walls. <laughs> Sometimes you need a that team got, effort. That never stopped getting better. <laughs> um, you like that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you want to – It's okay, uh, if you're going to create an encounter that's just traps – Sometimes throw a group of traps together yeah, yeah. that have different countermeasures. And sometimes setting one off will accidentally make you recoil into setting another one off. Very Home Alone esque. Oh yeah, I love where, you know, that's a good example. Yeah, you step on the frying or the broom that or the rake, sorry, that sm- swings up and smacks you in the face, and you fall and hit a tripwire that makes you fall into a pit, and, and <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. A bunch of different stuff keeps happening because of the fact that you set off the last trap. Rube Goldberg machine is a good example of that. Yeah. Uh, number three, give the players control. I think we've kind of discussed this in our last episode. Yeah, let them um, reset the traps on someone else. Yeah, let them, you know, jury-rig them so that they can trigger them when they want or set them off in their creator's face or in the oncoming enemy's face, you know. Definitely allow them to maneuver those, not just necessarily disarm them. Yeah. So number two is provide ways for every PC to contribute. 
You know, maybe a spellcaster can reveal a secret panel hidden by a powerful illusion spell. Um, perhaps the group strongman, maybe the fighter or maybe a dwarf or somebody who's a little bit stronger, can try and hold a, a trap open with a strength check just long enough for the group to get through it. You know, you think the guy and the, the giant in the doors, it's come crashing down and you're holding it up while everyone scurries underneath it. You know, you can design traps to include everyone, not just the rogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is important. We're at number one now, right? Yeah. Well, what was the last one we just talked number about? Number two. Okay. <laughs> I lost count. I lost count. Well, the numbers are right next yeah, to them. Shut up. <laughs> number one uh, for our tips to make your traps better is combine them with combat. You know, a room with a, a giant spiky pit in the middle is a lot more fun when there are also bad guys trying to push the players into the pit and the players trying to push those bad guys into the pit. And yeah. what happens when someone gets pushed into that pit? It can make it a lot more of an interesting because there's uh, an interesting encounter because there's a, a new level of stress and anxiety that goes into that and not not only not falling into the pit but not being thrown into the pit. Yeah, anybody that's seen Star Wars can attest to the greatness of the Return of Jedi when you've got the giant monster. The at, greatness of the Return to the Return of the Jedi. Well, somebody told me that apparently me liking the. Phantom of the Menace was so terrible, so I thought I would just boost your ego a little Thank bit. You. Thank um, you. You know, when they're yeah, fighting... Yeah, oh, I think a, that should be said. Justin's favorite Star Wars movie is The Phantom Menace. <clears throat> it is also Justin's first Star Wars movie, so you, I'm thankful for that. It still sucks. I don't think so. If the midichlorian thing is your only thing, then... It's not my only thing. It's just I love Jar Jar, which everybody hates. I actually don't mind Jar Jar. Jar Jar, like Jar, Jar. He's Jar. funny. He's, he's funny. He's comedy relief, and I yeah, like it. He's funny. I remember giggling my head off at his stupid ass. Anyway, um, anybody you sign a big doo-doo this time. Anybody that can attest to one of the biggest well-known examples of this is the fight with uh, Luke um, on that platform yeah. over that sand monster, right? Yeah. And he doesn't need to cut people up. He just kicks them and they go flying <laughs> over and the trap does the rest. Right. And it definitely adds a little bit of anxiety um, because if you're constantly fighting an enemy who likes to push and you get pushed back a few feet, and you're getting closer and closer to that, it definitely builds tension. And we've, you know, we talked about it in Awe Inspire Encounters, the importance of having traps and other things to do in combat besides just slaying the enemy outright. So definitely include it. That is our number one tip. Combine traps with combat. That is our main topic of the show today. So before we get into our other tips and tricks, we want to talk to you guys a little bit about Loresmith. Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with their friends, finding incredible places, and, you know, meeting some colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their very first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one you're not going to want to miss. Thanks to Laura Smith, our fellowship member, all of Crit Nation now has a chance to win another wonderful prize each and every week. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win this best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. This week's Claws of Madness winner is David O. Steele. So, congrats to David Steele or David O. Steele on your adventure. Uh, check it out. Let us know what you think. More importantly, let Laura Smith know what you think. Find them at laurasmith.com or uh, at the, through the fellowship link on our own website. Yeah. So, that brings us into our final segment, our Unearthed Tips and Tricks, where we give you creative content to bring to your next adventure. 
So our first character concept is the last of the bloodline. This is a very simple and basic idea. Your character is part of a long lineage, whether it's of nobility or some type of powerful, you know, uh, magic bloodline or some like the skilled swordsman, yeah, a great warrior, and you're trying to live up to that expectation. Right. Uh, this especially can be really good for story purposes if you were the last in a blood, like a, like a Daenerys Targaryen. For you, Justin, she is the daughter and the last surviving member of the family of the former king who was overthrown. Okay. And so now she is like has kind of this weird claim to the throne, but she also doesn't because she's been overthrown and overthrown, exiled. Yeah. And so it's this, it's this conflict that that could arise. You know, if you were right. um, a Goliath and you were the son of the chief, and then your father was killed by your tribe, and you were left to you were left for dead, but you survived. Now you're going to come back and try to get revenge. Right. You're trying to you know revenge your bloodline and i think there are a lot of different cool things you can do with this i think this is a good one for that person who loves those big fancy backstories and likes them to be tied into the story because you could easily work this in with your dm saying hey i'm the last of this bloodline maybe he can decide to make that that bloodline super well known Uh, i'm an anime person so in naruto you got the uchiha clan you know the one guy slaughtered his entire clan and his brother and him are the only two left and he's super well known and everyone knows because his entire family was massacred by his brother. The main character? Yeah. Well, one of the main characters. Hmm. Not Naruto, but his friend Sasuke. And huh. that's what he's known for. And I think that same type of story, if you work with yeah. your DM, can really help push the story along. Because if he, he wears a symbol on his back, right? And that's how he's known. It's the symbol of the Uchiha clan. If you've got something similar and it's tied to the story that's going on and you just walking around... Can have an impact on NPCs and, and people. You can have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, deciding you know what makes their bloodline special and why they're the last of their bloodline. Yeah, all you, that stuff player, will be up to you and and come up with something good and juicy. Work with your DM too, because this is something that can really be worked into the storyline. Yeah, and if it is, it's definitely will be something enjoyable for everybody. Yeah. So that is our character concept: the last of the bloodline. Our monster variant of the podcast is the Irot Shrub. So this or- originates from the Awakened Shrub found in the Monster Manual. Which is a CR rating zero. Yeah. Um, so the feature is uh, they have a variation of the Sight Rot. And, um, so any creature who ingests the pollen from this plant gains a painful infection that can cause bleeding from the eyes and eventual total blindness. You know, not like Stevie Wonder because he can see. <laughs> um, you've seen him catch that <laughs> microphone? Uh, the spores are released into the area around the spore, either by high winds or rustling caused by contact. The creature needs to succeed on a DC 15 saving throw or become infected. One day after infection, the creature's vision becomes blurry. The creature takes a minus one penalty to attack rolls and ability checks that rely on sight. At the end of each long rest, after symptoms appear, the penalty worsens by one. When it reaches negative five, the victim is totally blinded until its sight is restored by magic, such as restoration, lesser, restoration, lesser restoration, or heal. Sight, sight rot can be cured by using a very rare flower called eyebright, which grows in some swamps. Given an hour, a character that is proficient in the herbalism kit can turn one flower into a, a single dose of ointment. Applied to... The eye applied to the eyes before a long rest. One dose of it prevents the disease from worsening after the rest. After three doses, the ointment cures the disease entirely. 
I really like this. Um, I came up with the variation. Normally, the this is normally the sight rot is a ingested poison. Right. Um, I changed it slightly to contact. Contact and ingest. Yeah. Um, inhale, I think. Is or yeah, was. inhalation, not contact. I think but. it was in, uh, yeah. in, ingest, and I think we changed it to pollen where they inhale it. But um, the idea behind this is simple. The awakened shrub is nothing. It's not, it's weak as shit. It really doesn't do a whole lot. But this all of a sudden, in a forest that they're pushing their way through carelessly, can really cause problems, not only for low level, but pretty high level players as well. And the fact that it doesn't take effect until 24 hours later is going to bust somebody's balls. Yeah. You know, and the the added effect that it also gives the person with the herbalism kit skills to shine. Especially because they're probably not going to remember that random constitution save they made when they were walking through some bushes. Yeah, because you're not going to say, oh, yeah. now you're affected with this. No, yeah. it's, oh, okay. I'm Just gonna make, yeah, a, make note. a note of it to yourself. and Now they're affected by it. And this could be tossed into any forest, any jungle, any... Any, you put it in front of some bad guy's villa if you want. You know, it's something that... Just a potted plant. Just a potted plant. <laughs> it's a good change of pace when dealing with monsters. Yeah. They can either engage it if they know it's live, or maybe they just don't know they run into it. You know, you see movies all the time of people pushing through the brush, you know? Yeah. Bumping into stuff. So, it might affect one person, it might affect all of them, but definitely is a very strong penalty... <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, who needs to see yeah. when you're fighting monsters? Stevie so. Wonder, because he can. That is our monster variant, the I-Rot Shrub. Our encounter of the podcast is the Pendulum Corridor. The Pendulum Corridor. Characters are engaged with enemies in a relatively large hallway, preferably against smaller opponents such as cannon fodder, kobolds, or goblins. Yeah. There generally should be a leader in charge, somebody who could care less about their, his cannon fodder. And the enemy leader triggers a trap of swinging pendulums that are positioned throughout the entire corridor. Yeah. With or without allies in the way. Mm-hmm. So now the players are... We, we just talked about engaging traps during combat. And this is a good example of that because now not only are the players... Worried about being struck by the swinging pendulum blades, but being stabbed, poked, prodded, shot by the enemy. And also killing, as you kill bodies, or kill these goblins or kobolds or whatever the cannon fodder is that's being used, (laughs) those bodies take up space in this already cramped corridor with giant swinging blades. It'll make it very difficult to move. So now, yeah, now you're also in difficult terrain, and you uh, so it, it makes a very much more dire situation. And what's fun about it is it can make other abilities that are less often used really have a big impact. For instance, shove or trip. If you can try to shove or trip a goblin right into a pendulum, you're using checks to combat them as opposed to attacking AC. So as a bigger character... It's pretty brutal. Yeah, as a bigger <laughs> character, you're going to have quite a bit of leverage on them. So, you know, when you're attacking AC, you know, increased armor, increased shields, you know, carrying shields, increased armor really makes a difference. But if you just push, small creatures don't generally have very high no, strength. So. Especially if you're something like a fighter right. or a paladin that and you're going to so have high strength. You can just shove them into traps, yeah. these swinging pendulum blades, and yeah. off goes their head. Yep. <laughs> 
this also gives an opportunity for the players to, instead of engaging directly in combat, to maybe try to disarm, wedge, jury rig, or deal with the trap itself. Yeah. Um, I like the the idea of stacking up enough bodies to stop the pendulum from swinging. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. If we just kill enough of them, to block the path. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. Uh, so... And, of course, you know, it just creates a bloody mess, and who doesn't love that? <laughs> so that is our encounter of the podcast, the Pendulum Corridor. Our magic item of the podcast is the Sailor's Dream, and this one comes to us from Oricon's Lair. So what it is is a sentient tattoo. This tattoo can be purchased from a magical gypsy woman in the outskirts of some small port town. Um, and the ink that she uses brings it to life to cure the loneliness that most sailors experience on the seas. And aside from the tattoo actually being able to dance, it can hold its own conversation. <laughs> I love uh, stuff like this. Yeah. So on the DM's discretion, the tattoo can actually be jealous of um, when the character with the tattoo is talking to people of the opposite sex. Yeah, because and, it's its job to keep them company and not yeah. be lonely no more. It's right. going to – doesn't need no you time need, for no yeah, third wheel. Need, yeah, you don't need other people to calm your loneliness. <laughs> um, it can create uh, really those um, kind of – weird moments where you picture, you know, the person who, uh, oh, what am I thinking of? I don't know. Oh, it's an episode of How I Met Your Mother. Love that show. And Ted's trying to pick up girls in the bar, and he has a little earpiece with Barney in it, <laughs> and he's, like, arguing with them back and forth as he's trying to pick them up. He's like, no, I'm not going to say my penis. I'm not saying that. My penis. <laughs> um, I, I think this is a lot of fun because... First of all, I know how much you love sentient ta- sentient items, but this one also has an influence on the other players. Yeah. You know, because it's going to have to deal with that. If you've got a female, you're a male, and you've got a female in the party, that tattoo might get kind of disgusted when you got a group with her, or when you walk near her and be like, you need to get away. This is my <laughs> man. Or my woman, depending, I guess, yeah. whatever, whoever gets the tattoo. But I think this is a nice little uh, item for the the DM to pass out to somebody who either suffers from loneliness, doesn't necessarily have to be a sailor, but definitely could be. Um, if you've got the sailor background, that's definitely a nice little, maybe just give it to them. Yeah. As a, as a freebie. Cause you know, mm. but they, maybe they don't know what they're getting into. <laughs> so that is the magic item of the <laughs> podcast. The sailor's dream. Com- Our compliments of Oricon's lair. Yes. Our dungeon master tip of the podcast is to reinforce statements. When a player says something, that's it. It should be done. There should be no going back and forth. There should be n- It's, you've done it. Tough shit. <laughs> I got the dirty little goblin. Oh, wait. I want to ask him a question first. Too late. <laughs> I slapped the noble. <laughs> he shouts, guards! And you have now been arrested. What? I-, I was just kidding. He didn't think it was very funny. Um... We all we all see this happen all the time. Yeah, I do this to my player. I do this to players all the time. You, sometimes it's just kind of a joking way. If if I know they're talking out of character and they say something, I'm like, "What'd you just say?" Especially when you get impatient because they're spending so much time talking right. out of character as opposed to actually dealing with the current stress. But when they do say something, you know, they say, "Yeah, I, I kill him." Actually, no, I don't. Nope, too, too late. You already killed him. Sorry. You've done stabbed him, slit his throat. Yeah. Whatever. Or, you know, oh, I, I, I tried to hit him, and one of your friends, no, don't do that. Okay, I won't do that. Too well, late. You're, you're already, already mid-swing. Him, so they, they can try to stop you from hitting him, but you're... <laughs> you deck save. Catch yeah, his fist. Yeah, deck save. Um, it can create some sticky and kind of fun situations that 
are really role play heavy and trying to kind of difficult for your players to work their way out of. Right, but hold them to the, some of the statements that they make. Hold yeah. them to those choices because we all have those people that just say stuff. Oh, this would be funny! Ha ha ha! I'd slap the noble. Well, now you're going to jail unless right. you're going to fight twenty guards. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it it kind of is a good way to remind players that they're playing a game and their actions have consequences, even when they're just jokingly. Like you mentioned, reacting to things that they say. Yeah. I do think that that's a good way to have to, to kind of address when they're, you know, kind of losing focus. Yeah. So that is our Dungeon Master tip, reinforced statements. Our player tip of the podcast is... Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be a dick. dick. That's better. You can avoid dickitude by... Sticking with the group. Don't be that asshole that's like, you know what? Everyone's going this way, so I'm going to fucking go that way. Don't be the guy that goes off on your own every time the party wants to do something because one of two things is going to happen. One, they're going to let you. It's going to slow the game down a lot. Or two, they're going to fine, we'll go with you, and they're going to do something they don't want to do, and you're going to ruin the game for everyone else just to do what you want to do. Right, and sometimes it's just because you're being difficult, not even because there's a point to it. Right. If your character is a rogue, let's say. These are likely the person often that wants to go off on their own to do some shady business. You can really speed up the game by working that out with your DM ahead of time. Yeah. Say, hey, you know what? We're in the big city. I'm going to want to meet with some underground people. Don't choose to do that when everyone's about ready to head out and you're like, you know what? I got to go meet with my informant. I'll meet (laughs) you all there later. Right. Now, on the other side of that coin, if you're the DM... You know what? If your heroes are wealthy and they split up and one's found by himself, they can just as easily run into robbers. That'll teach them to split up again. Yeah. Don't (laughs) split the party. Um, Now, not to be confused with sometimes it's story reasons you have to leave. Um, Yes. That's not the same. That's not what we're talking about. And it's not the same as, you know, when everyone's in the tavern for the night. So, okay, so what do you guys all do? And one person says, well, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go drink and Till I pass out. And the other person says, well, I'm going to go walk around the city and find something. And the other person says, I'm going to go look for this. And that's one thing, because that's when everyone's supposed to go do that. Right, that's kind of when you're supposed to. But they're like, okay, we're going to go attack this bandit camp outside of the town. And one guy goes, ah, I want to go for a boat ride. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go sailing. (laughs) (laughs) The seas are calling my name. Yeah, it, it slows down the game unnecessarily, and you are truly being a dick. Hey, Justin. What? What's a pirate's favorite letter of the alphabet? R. See, you'd think it'd be R, but it's actually the C. <laughs> that is awesome. That's my favorite joke. Ever. <laughs> I've never heard that. Everyone's so confident in the R. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that is our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick, and you can avoid dickitude by staying with the group. So that is our show for you today. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will have Rontrick from Game Master Stash Facebook group joining us. They deliver daily content for you to consume from NPC concepts to magical items, all for your mystical pleasures. If you, if you have any feedback, any ideas for our honor tips and tricks, topics you'd like us to discuss, or any questions, please send them to us. You can email us at critacademy at gmail.com where you can find us at Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at the Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find our show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes. 
Also be sure to give us a like and a share, and be sure to subscribe to our show at CreateAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures as well as put your name into the drawing for to win cool prizes every week. You also find links to our fellowship members there as well. Yes, you will. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your host, Ryan. Thanks for listening. Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.